You're listening to the Military Working Mom Podcast with Dre Jones, episode 46. All you need to know from transitioning from breast to bottle for the Military Working Mom, featuring Kristen Serzin. Hey ladies, welcome back to the Military Working Mom Podcast. So today I'm excited. We brought a CLC, so what that is is a lactation consultant, in on the podcast because I really wanted to hone on what working moms need to plan accordingly so we have, you know, enough milk or what enough milk looks like, how to transition from breastfeeding to bottle feeding when we're about to get off maternity leave and start going back to work. Um, You know, we just can't kind of go through the motions and figure things out because we've got a deadline of 12 weeks if you take the full time. So with that, Kristen has brought in our 12-week perspective into her knowledge and we're going to talk about, you know, what to do with transitioning, when to transition, what backs that up. We're also going to talk about pumps and about transitioning to cow's milk and all that good stuff. So really, it's a good overview of the 101 of transitioning from breast to bottle. So with that being said, welcome to the podcast, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So Kristen, I am so glad you're here because you know breastfeeding is a stressful time. And we have so many questions, especially first-time moms, or honestly, no matter how many kids you have, because every kid is different. So I am thankful that you are here with us. I'm yeah. happy to help people. It's my passion, <laughs> what I do. So. so now tell us about, you know, what you, who you are, what your background is, just what's your story? Sure. Um, my name's Kristen Sershin. I live in Northern Indiana. Um, wife, mom, a five-year-old, and also one on the way now. I originally was in business school, and but before that, I thought I wanted to go in healthcare, and I just got burnt out of college. And I saw what my friends were doing in the business school. I said, "Hey, you know that looks fun." And I was always a sports junkie, and so after college, I I went into working in college athletics. That's how I met my husband, and. You know, we ended up moving around a few times, had our daughter, and you know, having a kid kind of changes you sometimes. For me, it did. And uh, we had a lot of struggle breastfeeding. And so I had an amazing lactation consultant come to our home to help me. And I, you know, she got us through kind of, you know, the hardest point of, you know, the newborn stage. After I got through all that, I kind of reflected and I said, you know, I want to do what you do. Like, I've always wanted to help people and you know maybe this is God's way of telling me this is really where you're meant to be kind of in the whole healthcare realm so I uh once things you know settled down and we got into a new routine with the baby I started studying lactation um got my CLC and in 2017 started working with my mentor at a birth center when you're down in Tennessee Absolutely loved it. Um, learned so much from her. And then in 2018, we moved up to Indiana and I started my private practice up here. I have my own business, um, Mother Nurture Lactation Care. And you know, I help moms with home visits. Uh, right now I'm doing all telehealth. Um, so I'm doing everything through Google Meet and video virtual calls or phone calls to help uh, families you know, with breastfeeding, pumping, really anything feeding your baby. A lot of people don't realize, you know, we can help with introducing solids and things like that. Wow, I didn't even um, know that. Yeah, so like I said, um, 
Yeah, that's my focus right now. I'll be sitting for the IBCLC exam sometime in 2021. And um, you know, just really enjoying helping moms and and getting that you know rewarding feeling that I'm making a difference in someone's life. Yeah, absolutely. And I never knew you guys actually help with feeding as well. So that's a good thing. Um, so I'll be honest. When I was pregnant, I knew about. Well, actually, I had heard on podcasts about lactation consultants and you know to make sure you get help while you're in the hospital. But there was like no time. Um, I think I was sleeping half the time, of course, so I, after baby, and I regret not making sure I had someone come in and teach me. So can you just kind of run down the basics of what mom should be expecting when they have a lactation consultant? Um, like with a new newborn or kind of just in general? Uh, let's go from the, the beginning, right? Because okay. when you're a first-time mom, you just, you don't know what to expect. You don't know if they're going to latch. You don't know anything. Right. And, you know, a lot of people uh, say breastfeeding is natural. Well, it is natural, but you still also have to learn it just like walking, right? Um, The walking is a natural um, action, but babies still have to learn it. You stumble, you know, you fall a little bit. Um, Sometimes there's a few bumps in the road, but you get there, right? Um, It doesn't come easy right away. So, um, when you're in the hospital, you know, LCs are great. They're going to help the hospital LCs will help you learn how to get baby latched, teach you kind of what to look for to know, you know, baby is latched well. Um, you know, then, then granted every diet is different. So for some moms holding baby in one position may work well. And then another mom, say a mom who has a C-section, typically having baby across her body is not always going to be comfortable right away. Um, with that C-section. So we'll do a different hold for uh, moms with C-section. We'll do football hold with them. Um, and they'll, they'll kind of just, in the hospital, um, you know, lean on your LC to kind of get you off to a great start with breastfeeding. You had mentioned, you know, they'll teach you the cues. Um, so what are those, how can women identify that their baby's not feeding correctly? Because I know, you know, Trip ate on there for 30 minutes and I thought he was doing fine know later to know I was drowning him but (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean you know there's so many different things that could be going on with breastfeeding and with it being new you know as lactation consultants with prenatal education we try not to overwhelm moms but you know obviously you want to get them the right info so generally you know to know your baby's doing well you want to make sure they have a deep wide latch they're not popping on and off the breast um you're seeing periods of swallowing milk while they're feeding. Um, They'll probably, they typically have some sort of rhythm at the breast, like suck, suck, swallow, suck, suck, swallow, break. In the newborn stage, you know, feedings will take a little longer, um, you know, upwards of 30 to 40 minutes. And then as they get older and more efficient, that'll kind of go down to more, you know, 15 to 20 minute range, you know, but that's past a month. Um... Oh, and then also to know if baby's doing well, they're gaining weight. Um, as a newborn, you're looking for five to eight and a half ounces per week. Baby should be alert and active when they're awake, meaning their milestones. You also want to make sure you're nursing baby on demand. You don't have them on any sort of schedule or time clock. Um, look for their hunger cues. So in the newborn stage, once they start kind of waking up, because they're going to be sleeping a lot. 
So once they start kind of, uh, you know, wiggling around, they'll start rooting around with their mouth, looking for the breast, they might suck on their hands. That's when you know they're hungry. And you catch those early cues. Um, if you let them get to the point of crying, that's considered a late hunger cue. And, so, and you always want to make sure you calm them down before bringing them to the breast because um, you never want to associate the breast with them being upset or anything like that. So let's just skin the skin to help them calm down. But like I said, look for those early hunger cues. So with that, the nursing on demand is going to be 8 to 12 times per day, every day. Early on, it'll be more 12 times per day, maybe even more. You'll find that they'll cluster feed, drink bro spurts. Um, once they get into, typically babies, you know, they'll settle into a routine eventually. Well, there'll be, a lot of them are you know, two to three hours around the clock. Um, but always early on, know, you know, this is kind of the norm window of how many times I should be feeding my baby and just expect that. And then a key thing to look for early on is making sure baby has enough wet and dirty diapers. The quantity is based on their age. Um, day one, they're going to have one stool, one, uh, wet diaper. Day two, two of each all the way up to day six, you'll expect six dirty diapers on day six, six wet, and from there it, um, you know, stays at that six or more. Actually, no, sorry, I misspoke. Um, at the, for the stool diapers, it's three to four um, at like three and four days, and then that kind of, that stays consistent from there. Um, once baby gets older with, with poops, the breastfed baby can go longer, but um, that's not until after baby hits four to six weeks. So you should expect poops every day to know that they're getting enough milk. Um, and then same with your pee diapers, they're gonna get, expect at least six after day six. So I know for normal, and when I say normal, I just mean, you know, is meeting its milestones, right? Is right. not underweight or preemie. For a normal baby, should you wake them? Because I was always told, hey, they should eat every two to three hours. Well, it might be loved to sleep. So right. should you wake them to feed them? Until baby meets birth weight, yes. But then once baby's back to birth weight, you can let them sleep. Okay. So don't uh, wake up sleeping baby. <laughs> once they're back to birth weight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that's to it's totally fine. And, and that's, like you said, with a normal, everything else is going well. You know they're getting enough milk and, and nothing's going wrong. Okay, so now let's jump. Oh, your provider might say, let's, you know, wake baby. If, like, if they're not getting enough milk, the, someone will tell you to still wake baby every three hours just to make sure that they're getting enough. But if everything's going great, you let them sleep. Yeah, well, you just said, you know, someone will tell you. So that's in the hospital. But when you get home, you know, they may not be at a birth weight yet. So you should still wake them up, even though no one's telling you to do so. Right. Okay. Just want to make sure, because I was definitely one of those moms. I was like, I Brad, I need to wake him up. <laughs> no, I guess I was referring to, say, like the three to four week old baby. Got you know, it. If, you know, mom realizes, hey, you know, something's wrong and then brings baby back to see a provider somewhere that you may re revisit the waking up every three hours around the clock if baby had been sleeping. All right. So now I'm super excited for this next part. Kristen, I believe you're an expert in this area. Uh, so transitioning back to work. So military moms, you know, we're off for 12 weeks. We get in a rhythm. Um, how can we prepare 
for breastfeeding or pumping going into a full-time job after 12 weeks of just being with our baby 24-7. Sure. And, you know, it's definitely a transition, not just for you, but for baby. So, you know, there's going to be pumping involved. There's going to be bottle introduction involved. Um, Let's kind of look, I'll go at it by kind of like a timeline, you know, and you said 12 weeks is typically when when military moms are going back. Mm -hmm. I, I'll re- I'm going to reference this great book I just read called From Breast to Bottle. Um, it talks and it's written for parents. So I would highly recommend everyone checking that out. Um, talks about introducing bottles, how to pace feed, um, kind of what that all looks like. And I really like the recommendation in this book. It suggests to introduce bottle around four weeks um, and to have mom introduce the bottle um you know typically we hear have dad or another caregiver introduce the bottle so baby can associate breasts with mom and bottle with other people um the point that this book made was that baby mom knows how baby latches from nursing um and knows what baby's lips look like and how latch should look for you know when nursing's going well so we want to we want to translate that over to bottle feeding. So around four weeks, we introduce bottle. Mom introduces bottle to baby, and you want to make sure you pace feed the bottle. What pace feeding is? It's a way of feeding a bottle to make sure that baby's getting an appropriate amount of milk. Um, the breastfed baby will get one to one and a half ounces per hour. Um, so that's going to be a three to four and a half, half ounce bottle if you're feeding every three hours. And um, with pace feeding, you're feeding the bottle very slowly. Um, You want baby to be kind of at a 45 degree angle, almost sitting upright. Support baby's neck and head with your hand instead of kind of having them in the cradle position like, you know, we see in movies and TV and things like that. Um, You know, and in those movies, they have the bottle basically straight up and down in baby's mouth and baby's just gulping away, right? so with pace feeding, you're keeping baby upright and your bottle's more so flat. And then you're going to rock the bottle back and forth so baby can control the flow and the pace of the, the bottle and the milk coming in and out. Um, that doing that, a bottle feed should take about 20 minutes or so, um, similar to how long they're taking out the breast. Um, like I said, this, it ensures you're not overfeeding baby and they're not just gulping the milk. Also pr- helps protect the breastfeeding relationship and, and helps baby control the feed as well. So then moving on, you know, you're going to do that around four weeks. You know, you will obviously need some pumped milk to do that. So, you know, for the oversupply mom who's probably already using a haka or maybe a pump to get some milk, that mom probably has some milk already. Um, at four weeks, if you want to start doing some pumping to develop a sash, you can. But honestly, you really don't have to. Um, reason I say that is going back to work, you, you really only need, you know, just for mental sanity, you really only need a one-day supply. But, um, you know, a lot of moms like to have at least two to three days, which is totally fine. Um, many moms see all these pictures on the internet and think they have to have a freezer full to go back to work. And, you know, that's not exactly realistic. Not all moms can do that. So don't feel like you need that to go back to work. Um, you really only need a few days worth because then when you're at work, you're going to pump your milk for the next day. So like I said, around four weeks, I would introduce that bottle, um, you know, do what you need to do to get 
get enough milk to introduce the bottle. But really to, to start a regular pumping routine, you want to make sure it's something you're going to keep up with. So that's why I tell moms to wait a little longer. Um, you know, if a mom was going back to work at six weeks, I'd say, okay, around that four weeks, introduce the bottle and also start your pump. Um, with military moms going back to work at 12 weeks, you can wait even longer. Um, you know, you can wait past six weeks to start pumping. You could really probably wait till probably eight to 10 weeks if, um, to regularly pump. And so what I would do to start a stash is just pick one feeding a day. Typically morning's best because that's when your prolactin level is highest. So once you wake up, nurse baby, and then after you nurse baby, um, start pump for about 10 to 15 minutes. At first, you probably won't get any milk. Um, what the pump's doing, it's telling your body that it needs to make more milk at that time of day. And then what, um, after a few days, your body will respond and you'll see, um, you'll be able to start kind of a, a little milk stash for those first few days you go back to work. So, and now I've seen this on a lot of our forums that, you know, at the three month mark, when we go back to work, we do have that freezer full. So now I overproduce. So I had a little bit, I didn't have that much, but does that hinder for a mom that, you know, has a normal level level of production? Because like you said, the more that you pump, the more that your body thinks the baby needs. So will it be Mm -hmm. harder to dwindle off later on? Um, like I said, if you have created this oversupply, it's something you're going to need to keep up with, with pumping, you know, however, pumping and nursing or, you know, or just pump exclusively pumping if that's what you're doing. You know, like you, you started to ask when it comes down to weaning and backing off of that supply, it's just, it might take longer because you obviously have more milk that you have to back off of. You know, the whole weaning process really for anyone is, should be kind of a slow baby and mom led process because um, there's a lot of factor you know there's a psychological factor for both mom and baby and weaning off breastfeeding and then there's also you know the physical things that go into it for mom too um, and if a mom does have a a large supply you know she's she's going to be prone to clogs and then mastitis so we just we you know we take it slower is really all it comes down to so now so we're, since we're on the topic I do have the question of, you know, once the mother reaches her milestone of when she's done, you know, breastfeeding and pumping, whichever that may be for her, how can they start weaning? Um, so there's two different ways to do it. You know, you can start to assuming you're, are we assuming mom's pumping, exclusively pumping or nursing or both? Probably both because like yeah. personally, I nurse when I'm home with him and then I pump, of course, at work. Right. So slowly drop a pump or nurse session um, one at a time. Now with, I usually like to to start with the middle of the day ones. um, And then your kind of late night, early morning ones be last. So what that's going to look like is you can reduce the amount of time you're pumping for say cut the amount of time down by like five minutes and slowly back that off over a few days until you've eventually eliminated that pump session. So you also need to make sure, say you're eliminating like your noon pump session, right? Then also that feeding goes away for baby because you're not going to have that milk for baby either. 
um, and you slowly cut one pump or nurse session out at a time. And something you can do for baby is you can give baby water or cow's milk or whatever milk of choice um, in a sippy cup. You can, you know, caregiver can distract them with toys, things like that. Um, it'll be, it's typically going to be harder to drop the nursing sessions than a pumping session. Um, cause you know, your mom, you're right there, baby's on your breast. Those are the times you typically have to distract them to do something else. Um, it's going to be easier if baby's at daycare, basically they just don't get their bottle then. And there's other kids around. I'm sure that can help distract. So those will be easier to drop. So before we, you know, transition to pumps, because I know you're an expert in that, I did have a question. You mentioned introducing cow's milk. At what age should you introduce cow's milk or can you? Breast milk has everything baby needs. So um, the reason cow's milk is the go-to for pediatricians is that it's a really easy, um, readily available source of some essential vitamins and nutrients that baby needs. Now, some moms don't want to use cow's milk in their family. That's totally fine. Just make sure that baby's getting the vitamin D, the omegas, everything that cow's milk is providing baby in order to replace, you know, what they would be getting in breast milk or cow's milk, you know, at that time. So like I said, just once breastfeeding's done, you know, then that's the typical replacement. Okay. That answers my question. Yeah. I was like, man, should I be, I'm, I seem to always be behind. I'm just not, uh, I baby my kid too much. He's my first. So I have no idea about anything. No, no, you're totally not. I mean, until one breast milk or formula should be their main source of nutrition. And then, you know, after that, it still totally can be. Yeah, everyone's different. And then you just, you know, introduce whatever type of, if you want to do cow's milk, you know, you can use that as part of your weaning plan. If not, you know, like I said, just make sure they're getting those types of nutrients from other food sources. Okay, so now to the pumps, because there are so many different pumps out there. You know, we get one from TRICARE from our health coverage, and I know you've worked with pump, pump suppliers before. So you kind of know the ins and outs, correct? Sure. Yep. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I'm an expert. (laughs) Okay. So first off, you know, it's kind of like shoes. One pump does not meet the needs of every single mom. So Mm -hmm. what should moms be looking for as they try to search for what pump they should have? The pumps on the market now are great. Um, Most of them, you really can't go wrong with whatever you choose right now. I know when we were talking before, we talked, you know, about your traditional double electric pump versus, you know, the wearable, the will and LVs of the world. The popular, I'll talk about double electrics. So, you know, you're going to hear the Medela pump and the Spectra pump a lot for, for those types of pumps. And those are, that's going to be your go-to pump. You know, if you can plug in your pump to the wall, Spectra also has a rechargeable option, which is super convenient as well. Um, those are going to be your more workhorse pumps and that you're going to rely on to express your milk while you're away from baby. You can also use a hand pump as well. Some moms do find they respond better to a hand pump than a double electric. Totally fine. You know, the double electrics are just more popular because of convenience. Um, if you find you respond to the hand pump better, you know, go for it. You're just going to have to do one breast at a time. Unless you get two hand pumps and you can, you know, rock the double hand pump, go for it. <laughs> and then there's the wearable pumps. So that's the you know, Willow, the LV. Um, you can get Freemie cups as well. 
Um, so anyway, with Willow and Elvie, those are great convenient options for working moms. However, I will suggest those with a disclaimer. They don't work for everybody. Not everyone responds to those pumps. Um, they don't fit everybody well. Some moms, they don't see a difference in pumping with a Willow or LV and say their Spectra. I wouldn't pick the Willow or LV to be your full-time pump unless it's your only option to pump. So why do you say that? Just because they don't have as strong of a suction compared to your double electrics. They don't have as strong a suction, so they're not going to express as much milk as a Spectra or Medela is, um, which could affect your overall supply. Like I said, some moms don't have issues with pump output with those pumps, but just, and make, you need to make sure they fit well as also to make sure that you're getting the best output. If you get those, you know, and that's your only option to pump, great. I'd rather you use a Willow or LV than anything, um, than not pumping at all. But, um, just make, just keep an eye on what your output is compared to say, if you have a, you know, Spectra Medela you're using when you're sitting at your desk and, yeah. and know that though that Willow or LV could have less suction and you may need to adjust a few settings on it. Yeah. And I know, um, when I had looked at you before and we had talked, you had mentioned, you know, you have to massage your breasts anyways, even when you're breast pumping, right? So even though you may have that willow or LV that you're wearing to hide that you're pumping, you still should be massaging your boobs, right? You don't have to. Um, it's called hands-on pumping. Uh, it, studies have shown with breast massage while pumping, you can get up to 50% more milk out. Um, also, it helps your letdown and milk removal be more efficient when you're massaging as well. So I know sometimes, you know, with, with working moms, you have a very limited amount of time to pump sometimes. So by using breast compressions and massage on your breasts, it'll help um, you express the most amount of milk in the least amount of time. Yeah, I know personally, um, so I use the Medela Freestyle, so it's still hands-free, but of course I am tied to the little pump. Uh, but yeah, I'm I go in 10 minutes because I am squeezing my boob and massaging it, trying to get everything out real quick. Since we do, you know, have to breastfeed multiple times a day, we mm -hmm. feel like we're a burden, but we don't want to be tied. We have things to do too, right? We don't like running behind. Um, but yeah, so that 50% more. Yeah, that's what, that's what, there's a great study, um, a IBCLC, her name is Jean Morton. Um, she studied some Nikki moms and that she found with hands-on, hands-on it's it's amazing like it's really really amazing now do you get more of like a mixture too of your hind milk and your fore milk so hind milk is it's all relative you know as babies at the breast longer they're going to get fattier milk now your hind milk from one feeding may look like your fore milk from another feeding because of the amount of time in between nursing or pumping and the amount of time or also the time of day is what I was going for. You know, they're just term, they're more relative terms to say, okay, this is the milk comes out first. This is the, you know, second milk. So I just want to make sure people don't understand, don't think that like you make two different kinds of milk, but yes. So massaging does help you get that fattier milk that comes as the pump session or the feeding um, elapses. Okay, so now I have one last question before we wrap up. 
I heard, so you just said we don't make different kinds of milk, but when I was, you know, my mom comes in and our moms have all sorts of things they used to do and learn right from eons ago. She was Uh like, Hey, if your nighttime milk has, you know, makes them sleepy. So you should always pump at night and then feed that to them at nighttime. Is that true? Like those certain time of days have like quote unquote sleep milk. Um, there is melatonin, um, in your milk later in the day. From what I've read, I believe it's not like a significant amount to where like if baby you feed it out in the morning, <laughs> like it's not gonna be detrimental <laughs> by any means. I mean, your babies still take naps and sleep and so you know, if oh, some moms do label their milk and say, you know, this was with times and and try to feed about the same, you know, say they pump their milk at three, they try to make sure baby gets that milk at three o'clock ish or in the afternoon. That's totally fine. You can do that. But then also, you know, if you don't want to do it, don't stress yourself out. (laughs) I definitely did not do that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for being on. This has been absolutely wonderful. Before we head out, um, is there anything any common questions that you normally get or tips that you want to leave our moms with? Um, no, I think we talked about a lot, you know, um, if you're having any trouble, just please reach out to a provider, you know, with everything going on right now, so many people are doing virtual consults, you know, please visit my website and you can book a time with me and happy to help you. If you're having any issues, I also have now have a monthly um, live show on Facebook with one of my colleagues called The Breast Connection. Um, it's a free live Q&A. You can hop in there and, and ask us your questions um, as you have them. As long as they're not like too personal nature, we'll answer them right there live. Like I said, other than that, you know, happy to be a resource for everybody. That's awesome. So The Breast Connection, I'm sure as I start weaning, I will be on there asking questions and lots of them. Right, yep. If it's brand new, so it's there's not much content on there yet, but we're it's something fun we're working on. So perfect. Well, thank you so much, Kristen. I appreciate it. And all the links and Facebook pages and her social media where you can contact her will be included in the podcast notes. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, ladies. I hope the main takeaway you had from that podcast episode with Kristen is that you need to reach out to a lactation consultant. And there is a contact number for TRICARE that I'll put on the podcast notes. But at the end of the day, it's up to your body and your needs for your child. So if you feel like you have to start pumping early, or if you want to pump later, if you have overproduction, whatever that may be, you know, there's advice that we can give you, but it's whatever works right for you and your body. So with that being said, the episode notes from this podcast can be found at themilitaryworkingmom.com slash episode 046. Thank you for listening to the Military Working Mom podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please click subscribe and leave a review to help us reach more military moms just like you. And then to save time and receive posts as soon as they come out, join our email list at www.themilitaryworkingmom.com and follow the Military Working Mom on Facebook to join our community of women as we discuss topics, ask questions, and share stories in a safe, judge-free environment. We are here to provide you with answers you need. Don't forget to join us next week as we continue to help you navigate your mom, wife, and military life.